is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nation Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering six conversations from our two-day coverage of the Liver Meeting 2022 and, instead of the vault, an interview with Inventiva Pharmaceuticals Chief Medical Officer Michael Corman and Stephen Harris. In this conversation, Jeff McIntyre discusses the nomenclature review session from a patient advocate perspective. First, he reviews the parameters of the extensive Delta process that the group has undergone and shows respect for many elements of the methodology. He also stated as a positive outcome that while the discussion started taking a look at whether the name should be NAFLD or MAFLD and whether we needed to change patient targets, that we now appear to have shifted away from both the word metabolic and, more importantly, from redefining patient target population. The first point matters because in many cultures and settings, metabolic may be no easier to explain to patients than non-alcoholic, perhaps even harder, although the specific challenges differ. The second point is important in that any change in patient definition threatens to set back the ongoing clinical development work on drugs and diagnostics by a matter of years, according to regulators, which clearly is not in the interest of patients or anybody else. Jeff then engages in a critique of the process elements he felt were not supportive of patients. One was the fact that while every statement needed to surpass a two-thirds supermajority threshold to be incorporated in the consensus document, the group included more than 70% clinical researchers, which means that in fact, if the clinical researchers as a group unanimously support a statement, no other group's input will matter at all. He also felt that while the public debate included five-minute statements from Global Liver Institute CEO Donna Cryer and PBC Foundation CEO Robert Mitchell Thain as patient advocates, and that both Donna and Robert were included in one of the onstage panels, the size of the room and the audience were intimidating to other patient advocates in the back of the audience who might have wished to made a statement but felt intimidated. There's far more in this conversation than I have space to describe, including varying reactions from the other panelists. Particularly interesting to hear responses from Sven Frank, who has played a significant role in this process. I suggest you listen. With over 7,000 on-site attendees and tremendous amounts of positive energy, the Liver Meeting 22 produced exciting presentations, fantastic debates, and searing insights. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, catch everything in this series from us. And when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn discussion group. Jeff McIntyre. This was live streamed, and so hopefully folks were able to see the session, to be able to sit through the session and whatnot. I don't know how many of them got a glimpse of our nomenclature pigeon, but uh, hopefully a few were able to see that as well. So the session was, as I understand from the back of the room, you know, kind of a report out of the second Delphi round of survey and consideration of the name change for NAFLD and NASH. I'm seeing from the notes here, 264 global experts, 56 countries. They got 54 respondents from roughly 32 countries. And so it, they've done a good job of getting kind of a broad swath of country and global representative in this. Two sessions, uh, certainly Mary Ranella and Phil Newsom uh, have been kind of the, the leaders charged with trying to herd the cats to get everybody together. And by cats, I mean clinical researchers to kind of come together on what a name change, if it, if it needs to be, what it should be, what it shouldn't be, et cetera, et cetera. And so from the patient perspective, let me throw a couple things out here. I know Sven's already kind of gilded the lily by talking about excitement and movement in that area. And I think I will have to respectfully stand in contrast to that from the patient perspective. And I know that Donna has, uh, who is my boss for to call that out, and Robert also were given five minutes in the two-hour symposium to be able to kind of speak to some of their concerns. There were some things that were lacking that were alarming to me. I think, I've, let me emphasize the positive first. One, the positive 
positive is that from both of the panels, it does seem like there was a presentation, then a panel, presentation, and a panel in the process. And it does seem to me that we are beginning to move away from MAFLD, from MAFLD with an M, with metabolic-associated fatty liver disease. That was kind of how this all started. It wasn't as much that we came up you know, with a journal article and up from Australia. It wasn't as much that it was that NAFLD needed to be changed in a vacuum as it was that NAFLD needed to be changed to MAFLD, that metabolic needed to be the name changed early on. And I think we've moved away from that in a recognition for as much of the semantic uh, difficulties that there are with non-alcoholic by defining something by what it's not and how tricky that is. But to move to metabolic didn't necessarily solve any of these definition challenges. It was still overly broad. Nobody could kind of put their finger on what that meant in a way that would be clinically significant or helpful or any other myriad of kind of downstream implications that would be positive for the field. And so I was I was fairly heartened by that. I don't think we quite got there. There were still some defenders, so still some some believers in metabolic there. What I saw, what I felt like it kind of we were beginning to come at, and this may be the movement that Sven was talking about, is Quentin's. I think I first saw Quentin talk about this in his stratification, if you will, about uh, referring to it now to SLD. And I wasn't quite sure if that's, you know, just referring to steatosis or the uh, steatohepatitis, but just kind of refining the name and then having kind of these subcategories and how those subcategories would be named, whether it's type 1 or alcohol-derived or fatty liver, kind of how it is was still up in play a little bit. And so that said, that's the best objective reporting I can kind of do on that is that there was movement, there was good conversation, there was a discussion. I think we kind of got to that place. I'm not sure what the next steps are. Jeff Lazarus in his presentation seemed to indicate that there might be another Delphi round of surveys coming forward. I didn't have a good feel for what the next step and that was going to be. Let me represent respectfully, if I make my considerations, the concerns that I had in the back of the room. There were a couple of things that were not mentioned that I think were really important in this. When you look at the process to begin with, the process when Jeff was detailing the respondents, you know, for a super majority, as they said, that they had decided that they needed to move forward in anything, any aspect of that, you needed 66% of the respondents to be able to kind of sign off on that. We see that in Congress all the time here with the difference between a simple majority and a supermajority. Certainly, it's something we're familiar with. Um, what concerned me about that is when you looked at who the respondents were, roughly 72 to 74% of the respondents were clinical researchers, with only 12% of the respondents being patients. Now, I wouldn't have a problem with that if the meaningfulness of those responses were proportionately powered, but that's not the case. And so there is a situation, I'm not sure that this will happen, but there is this, a possible situation to where this name change could move along with only clinical researchers moving this. And there has been a little bit of input here and there, but I don't feel like it's been powered or adequately represented um, in a way that will be reflective, in a way that's going to be helpful for the field writ large things I did not hear at the nomenclature meeting. One was any mention of the FDA. And I think that's extremely problematic. When Joe Turner came out and said at NASHTAG earlier this year that if there were a name change that implied any sort of definitional change, even if it's a restricting or expanding or anything like that, then that meant that those that had in clinical trials that had money tied up in this, anybody that was vested would have to then go and revalidate all their indicators and biomarkers. Now, that raises the question of time 
timing for me on this. As I've met with Global Liver Institute, with several of the drug developers and the, several of the companies, we have the potential for an asset, a therapeutic to roll out as early as 2023 next year. But, you know, we talked to, to probably a dozen companies plus while we were at the meeting here, and we see that there are in the most optimistic of worlds, which I realize isn't necessarily realistic, but in optimistic worlds, there are phase three and phase two rollouts that could potentially go up for approval or accelerated approval between now and 2030. Multiple drugs could be coming to market in that time frame. But if there's a name change and there has to be revalidation, then that suddenly time frame becomes very different and has to be reconsidered in that. Part two of that, which is kind of a continuation of that, is I haven't seen or heard anywhere, and I'm one of the folks participating in this process, any notion of an impact analysis. And I appreciate that people have opinions and they're speaking from their own individual experience about things, but I would really love to see, and it, it just kind of boggles me that there hasn't been promoted an impact analysis of what would a change of name mean, you know, on an economic level, on a communications level, on a level of understanding. There is the linguistic necessity that I completely understand and sympathize with as someone with a master's in philosophy that used to argue about words ad nauseum. I get that. But when we're talking on the edge of drug development and we are on the edge of really making some big leaps in terms of awareness and communications, I have to question the timing of this. And if this is the most important thing for the field to be dealing with in this. Donna raised the issue a little bit. I guess I'm echoing my boss a little bit on this as well. But the timing seems suspect to me or seems like it could be done better, if you will. A decision, does this become a, you know, do we make the change at the next ASLD or next easel? Or does this something that kind of slowly rolls out over the next two to three to four years? Do we do it after a drug potentially is approved, before a drug is improved? And then what are the consequences over that? The final thing that I'll mention on this too is that I was in the room and unfortunately I think this is the patient experience, the patient perspective of that. We brought in several patients. I was in the back of the room with a lot of actual liver patient, liver transplant recipients, and they just had no clue what was going on. Several of them got, you know, were leaning over or texting me at times like that and really wanted to go up and say something. But that was a massive room and it was a, you know, the video screen was really intimidating. Maybe this is why we were also keyed in on the pigeon. But three of them came up to me in a meeting later on and said they really wanted to get up and say something about how much of a waste of time and resources they felt like this was, but they were too scared and said all these other people were talking in these fancy medical terms and they were concerned about getting up there and stuttering and not making the point that they wanted to make. And while that is the patient perspective and the patient experience in a nutshell of being intimidated and scared to put your concerns in front of professionals and in front of the field, and we're working on trying to build that up, you know, with GLI. The last thing I'll leave you with is that in Washington, we have a phrase of you can do the right thing the right way, you can do the right thing the wrong way. Consequently, you can also do the wrong thing the wrong way, which kind of takes care of itself, but you can do the wrong thing the right way. And we see too many people in Washington do that, which means that you take a issue or perspective, but then you're able to do it in a process that builds consensus, that incorporates all the ideas. And it may not be something that you agree with, but you've gone through such a process that everybody buys in, you understand the consequences, and it does not, unfortunately, the nomenclature process so far, without any statement on what a name should be or any of that sort of stuff, it just seems that it has been, I'll just say it was a disappointing experience. Jeff, I want to let anyone who has to jump off this call comment on that first, and then I'll come back to it, because I think there are a couple of things you said that were, if not handled directly, were handled indirectly in ways that made me feel better about the outcome than I might otherwise have. But I know, Stephen, I know you have to jump. I don't know about the 
other opinion leaders here. Anyone have any comments on that? Stephen Harrison. Yeah, sorry, guys. I've just got to jump real quick. But uh, Jeff, let me just say, I, I love your passion and your advocacy that you bring to this discussion. It's a breath of fresh air and it's something that we need. And, and I'll be the first to say that I often don't remember to include that. So it's great to have GLI as part of this process. And we're not perfect. We got a lot of work to do. The butter slides off our biscuit every day. We've got to include that in this process. I do think this idea, steatotic liver disease is the kind of the overarching buzzword that's being tossed around. What comes under that and how we develop it, it's not defined, I don't believe, fully yet. And there's still more work to go. So continue to do what you're doing because it will resonate and just continue to be the hammer on the nail. So let me just say that. Sven Frank. If I may, because I was quite involved in this process and it's it's interesting sometimes to see the dynamics of such a process. For example, the overarching term of steatotic liver disease was something that I have put on the table. We need probably to be more broader than just talking about NAFLD and get the bigger picture. That was a little bit put aside in the beginning because most of us felt that we should focus on just NAFLD, metabolic and so on. But then later on it came back, Maru Rinella picked it up again and then Quinton presented it in, in one of his presentations. So you see how this can evolve over such a process. Now, you have said several things, Jeff. What I think, and Jeff Lazarus also said it in the beginning, one of the important things in such a process is, of course, yeah, the representativeness. Although the majority of people that are in the Delphi panel are indeed physicians, most of them are hepatologists, the process does include strong voices of non-hepatology experts, like yours and like GLI, like also the pediatrician and endocrinologists who also may feel a little bit underrepresented if you just look at it from a pure democratic one person is one voice principle but that's not how it goes and you're absolutely right that we have to be very careful for the next round which will be probably what is going to happen that we now that we narrow down a few issues that we see where the remaining issues are the questions in round four will have to be formulated very carefully to make sure that what has been put forward as something that needs to be taking into account in the final solution is taking into account. And some of the issues that people like Donna and Robert have raised on the podium and that some of the people with you in the back of the room apparently also felt, I think that is something that is absolutely important. And it's not just being a percentages of the voices that will be decisive, whether it has an impact or not. It will clearly be a huge task for, for those who are preparing the round four to make sure that all these concerns and all these important points are adequately kept captured in the round four questions so that they are really valued for their importance and not just put aside by the by the power of simple numbers. So that's, that's I think, a very, very important point. Okay, thanks, Sven. Um, Ian, anything you want to add? I do, ha- I do have a couple of comments. Ian Rowe. Two things I think that I would say. First is that there is people using an alternative definition already, and there's a real risk, I think, to that fracturing the field further, leading to more inconsistency and more uncertainties. And the other side of that is that where people have already begun to use an alternative term, I'm not sure that a supermajority is sufficient to really say that there's consensus because I suspect that some people have already made their mind up about what their preferred term is and that's going to be the real challenge at the end is to make sure that everybody really does get behind it and there, is, you know, there, are, there are risks to all sides of that. The final thing about the steatotic liver disease is that if you look worldwide in terms of disease importance, I'd argue that steatotic liver disease number one is alcohol related to the disease and there are also risks to changing the structural definitions around another 
disease where that community is not yet involved in the consultation. So the work that's been done is really impressive and I've been pleased to be a part of it, admittedly a smaller part than Sven and, and Jorn, I think, have been involved. But there's still a lot of work to do and the impacts and downstream consequences of the name change need all to be thought through in some of the ways that you've talked about and, and others too. I'd like to echo what's been said and I think the phrase that resonated with me here, Jeff, being a part-time politician or using having to use work in policy is you can do the wrong thing the right way and then it sticks and you're bound to it. And I think we do not want to get point with no return where there's something that the field will take a big hit on over a long time. And the questions you raised about the consequences, not sure how to model that. That's a tough one. Nobody can look into the future. You know, how is that mean going to drop off of perception with other professionals and so on? It, it, there's just a lot of complexity to that. So we've probably got to take another a couple more rounds on this. Yeah, I think that sounds right. So my, first of all, I have no horse in this race at all, right? I'm not a patient. I'm not an advocate. I'm not a physician. But I have been observing. And a couple of things. First of all, Jeff, you pointed out, I think correctly, that this started as a specific name change to go from NAFLD to MAFLD, and not just a name change, but a patient definition change. And one of the things I think I heard this week that's really important is that there's no appetite anywhere to change the patient definition. So the questions about commercialization and are drugs going to slow up and diagnostics, nobody wants that. Well, let me amend that. The overwhelming consensus of the group was that that was something the group did not want. I mean, that, that scored 85, 90% all the way through, which even if it's only clinical researchers, I can't believe, apropos of Donna's comments, the patients are going to want that any more than this group does. So if we're only talking about the name, not to trivialize the importance of the name, but the issue of are we going to slow progress on drugs and diagnostics, my sense of this conversation is that that will be protected. Sven, Jorn, you're a lot closer to this than I am. If I've got that wrong, please come in immediately and say so, because that's important. Beyond that, I'm a big fan of dynamic systems and system dynamics. And I think Ian did a really good job of explaining the other side of the dynamic problem here, which is if you do the right thing the right way, and in the process, everybody who doesn't like where it's going jumps off and does what they want to do, then what we've accomplished is we've now got dueling names and dueling dialogues. My sense is that at some point, even if it's not exactly the right way to get there, someone's going to need to plant the flag and play forward. Because if not, then this could devolve a lot more. So if we go three more rounds before we get to an answer, and every time we go another round, 5% of the population or 10% of the population leaves the tent, by the time you get to the fifth round, the tent is maybe half the room. So uh, there is this risk that waiting for, per you know, Quentin's the one who always says, let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And here, I think we've got to decide what good enough is, or you've got to decide. I'm, like I said, I have no horse in this race, but the decision's got to, the question's got to be what's good enough. And then I'm going to come back to a very, very funny place. And Jeff, I hope your boss doesn't shoot me for this, but it's a conversation that's been in the background this week among several of us. In 2021, at the Nash Tag Sessions, Mike Charlton asked a question, which is, who's going to be the Larry Kramer of Nash? And that's gone in a bunch of different directions. But one of the places I think that it went is, I know Don and I have talked about it a bunch since then, is I think the firmness of Donna's advocacy for a couple of things that really mattered to her on this, notably the let's not get in the way of progress, has, I think, really resonated. It wasn't something I was hearing at the beginning from folks, and it's something I've heard increasingly as we've gone along. So to the degree that that is that, is that kind of role, that is being on the inside and being an outsider at the same time and saying, hey, let's focus on what really matters here. And I think the uh, firmness of her statement this week and the agreement that the group has speaks to the idea that that's now a thought in the middle of the process. And to the degree that Donna was the one who brought it there, that is exactly what you want patient advocates to do. And my hat's off to her every day. You all know that. But my hat's really off to her on this one. And now back to Roger. 
We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next Wednesday evening with a wrap-up episode taking a look at some of the highlights of the meeting from the perspective of folks we may not have heard from yet, including Will Alazawi, who's been with us once, and Ron Costera, who's never been with us before. It's going to be a fantastic session. Till then, stay safe, surf hot. Look forward to seeing you again next week on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.